Welcome to She Illuminated. I'm Jana Fuchs, a licensed clinical psychotherapist and soul coach for burnt out women and moms looking to take control of their stress and say hello to a more joyful life. I'm also a mom to two incredible young humans, one of whom is autistic. Together, we will dive into real, raw, and messy conversations about intuition, vulnerability, and the resilience of the human spirit. We all deserve the gift of connection to ourselves and to our lives. So let's spend a little time together here, and perhaps we can walk through the rest of this day feeling just a bit more brightly illuminated. Let's go. Dear Illuminated Spiritual Warriors out there, you are in for a treat today. Let me tell you, you'll also need to grab your box of tissues for this episode because it's going to be hard not to cry. And trigger warning, the loss of a child is acknowledged in this episode, so if this isn't the right time or place for you to listen, please press pause and come back when you're ready. Also, please note that explicit language is occasionally used, so if your little ones are around or listening, please consider taking that into account. Now, let me also tell you that much of what you're about to hear today is so beautiful, inspiring, and uplifting. It's the story of how one mother turned her soul-crushing pain into spiritual meaning-making and abundance by healing herself and helping others to heal their soul wounds. This very special guest is none other than the fabulous Nadia Ahrens. Nadia is a psychotherapist, spiritual life coach, and hypnotherapist. She has been helping empaths navigate traumas, challenges, and transitions for over 20 years, guiding them on a spiritual journey and helping them discover their soul's purpose. Using a blend of clinical expertise with healing modalities such as hypnotherapy, soul work, and the chakra system, she helps empaths turn their wounds into wisdom so they can live empowered, authentic lives. This isn't going to be a long intro because I'm just so excited to dive in today and have you all take a listen to the goodness that is Nadia. Nadia is a gorgeous, bright light of a human healer and mama, and I know that you will all feel as instantly connected to her as I did when I first met her. So enjoy the episode. Hi, Nadia. Hi, Jana. I am so, so excited you're here because one of the reasons that I was immediately drawn to you and drawn to your work is because you have such this accessible and cool way of blending evidence-based traditional approaches like aka like the shit that we know works um <laughs> as as psychotherapists that's you know like backed by years of research um right. with the more spiritual, artsy, mystical-y side of things. And, you know, many people listening to this now hopefully 
value and understand what therapy is all about, but maybe not as many people are as familiar with hypnotherapy. I call it hypno-healing when I'm hypno-healing. doing Hypno-healing. Okay. Yeah. But that, those are just basically modified hypnotherapy sessions. And you also talk about soul work and the chakra system. And so can you enlighten all of us as to like what these things are, like hypnotherapy, um, hypno-healing, the chakra system, soul work? What is all of that? Where do I even begin? Okay. So I'll start with an overview because, you know, people have heard about hypnosis. Some people have gone to like, you know, in college or whatever, they've gone and gotten hypnotized. But I always like to say like hypnotherapy is different. Like I'm not going to make you cluck like a duck or what or chicken, whatever (laughs) animals cluck. Um, But what hypnosis is, it's really just a fancy word for being in a relaxed state. And When we're in a relaxed state, we access a different part of our mind. And as a fellow therapist, you'll know that we have different parts of our mind. We have our conscious mind, we have our subconscious mind, and then we have our unconscious mind. But we're in our conscious mind, which is basically like me and you talking, or any sort of linear, analytical, rational um, thinking, your personality, that's all in your conscious mind. And we're only in our conscious mind 10% of the day. The other 90% of the time, we're in our subconscious mind. And so with hypnosis and hypnotherapy, we're shifting from our conscious mind to our subconscious mind. And our subconscious holds our feelings, our dreams, our creativity, our spiritual connection, all of our body functioning, like our blood flowing and our heart beating and, you know, moving our arms around and walking, all of that is not done in your conscious, rational thinking mind. It is all done in your subconscious. And so when we do healing work in our subconscious, our mind, our analytical mind, our ego defense mind that's really created for survival is softened so that we can get to the root of whatever your wound is so that we could heal it. And so when we're working in that subconscious, you're relaxed, you get to the root of the problem a lot quicker and more and more efficiently. And there's a whole spiritual creative component that goes along with it so that you understand essentially not only why you have certain behaviors and patterns and beliefs, but how that's connected to your soul's journey. And so my belief is that we all, before we come down into our human selves as Jana, as Nadia, as any one of your listeners, our soul chooses, okay, I'm gonna choose my parents, my friends, my relationships, my experiences, so that I could learn specific things and my soul can grow and evolve. Yeah. And and then we come down into our little, you know, baby human selves and a veil comes down. So you don't remember any of the stuff that you signed up for because I I mean, quite honestly, I don't know about you, but if I knew everything 
that was in store for me, I would be like rocking in a corner and like being like, no, ain't going to do it. (laughs) Right. And as you were talking, I was just thinking about, you know, I was fortunate to have like really awesome, unconditionally supportive and loving parents. But we all have friends and clients um, and people in our lives who are not as fortunate. And I can imagine right now, if they're listening, right, that there's probably real resistance to going like, yeah, fuck you. <laughs> like, I call bullshit. No way did I choose my parents, right? That's just right. like, like, no, you act, that's all wrong. So like, what do you, what do you say to that? Well, I mean, those types of people don't come to me, quite honestly. <laughs> there you go. They weed themselves out. Um, well, yeah, they, I mean, quite honestly, they do. Yeah. You know, and that statement is going to bring up a lot of resistance. And and why? Because, and again, I might be like, people might be like, who is this chick? Like, I don't ever want to listen to her again. Or they're going to be like, oh my God, I totally get her. She's super wide, right? There's like no real in between with me. But when you start to heal yourself and you go on this psychological, emotional, spiritual journey and you go, oh, shit. Like, I signed up for my dad. I signed up for my brother. I signed, you know, it's it gives you ultimate responsibility for yourself. You can't sit in the drama triangle and be a, be a victim of your life or a martyr or a persecutor. It's going, okay, this is basically the cards that I was dealt. What is it that I have to learn from these experiences? Yeah. Not even as a soul to grow, but just as a human to grow. What did I learn from that really fucked up relationship that I had? Yeah. What did I learn from, you know, and I'm sure we'll get into this later, from my son dying? You know, there's there's as hard as the experiences are, and I've gone through the hardest experience that I think anybody will possibly go through in life, there is always a lesson to learn and grow and evolve from. I could have easily just said, okay, in 2016, I'm out. Peace out. I get the victim card that I get to play for the rest of my life, but I chose not to. Everybody, no matter what their circumstances are, abuse, death, trauma, whatever it is, we always have a choice about whether or not we want to be a victim or if we want to transform. Yeah. Thank you so much for elaborating on that more uh, vulnerable story that you just shared about your son and 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 also for clarifying for us like the differences between the conscious mind, the unconscious mind, um, and how the work that you do really strives to open up a gateway and help people to connect much more deeply and um, authentically to 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 their core self, to their highest, wisest self. And like for you, I'm wondering if you could say a little more about your son, about Jack. And um, like that, if you could even just like zoom in for a moment, if you're comfortable around like the moment or the moments when you were like realizing that you were being faced with a decision 
about like like the fork in the road between that victim mentality that you just spoke about or choosing something different for yourself and, how, and like how you did that um well it it, it wasn't easy yeah. <laughs> you know like seven years out I could I could talk about it you know and maybe not shed a tear um but Jack was eight and a half and he uh he was an amazing he was amazing he was bright and shiny and extremely intelligent and and super emotionally intelligent even at eight and a half and um just a really deep wise soul and um he had a seizure related accident uh because he had benign childhood epilepsy and i put that in air quotes um and my life just I mean, shattered, quite honestly. Um, and I would um, be up in his room for hours and I would just be on the floor crying in a ball um, and just, you know, not eating. Just, I mean, I would like, you know, for anybody who has lost a child, like people want to bring you a whole bunch of food. <laughs> like, you know, and I was like, oh, my God, my house is overflowing with food and I can't even eat anything like, you know, it was just, you know, it was shattering. And I remember being on the floor of his of his bedroom. And I, you know, I always say, like, whether people have these on the floor moments, right, whether it's your bathroom, your kitchen, your your bedroom, you know, there are these dark nights of the soul where you're just like, I, I don't want to do this. And so I was laying, you know, just, I can't even say crying because it was just this like primal, crying doesn't even give it justice. Like it's hard to explain in words the, how it felt, you know, it, that's why I always say it's, it was like shattering. But I, in that moment, I was like, you know what, maybe I'll just, live a passively suicidal life waiting to die because I can't, I can't do this, you know? And, you know, and he was my firstborn, you know, he was, he was my baby. Like, and we had this soul connection that was like beyond anything. And, um, I just was like, I can't, I can't do this. And I, at the time I have twin daughters. They were like, I don't know, a couple of months shy of seven, you know, I, and so I just remember, and, and people would ask like, how are they doing? And I was just like, I, I don't know. I have no idea how they're doing. I mean, and of course the therapist like gets me into, get them into all the things, but like, I had no clue. I was just, I was like a zombie. And so I was laying on the floor and going, okay, maybe I'll just live this passively suicidal life waiting to die because every day that I'm here, I'm one day closer to Jack. Like that was literally what I was thinking and feeling. And in that moment, and there was like this resolution, like, okay, this is what I'm going to do. I'm just going to live this zombie life until I die. And in the next second, um, my grandmother popped into my head. And at the time of Jack's death, she was 98. 
And I just said, fuck, I'm going to be here a really long time because I've got a lot of her genes. And, um, and in that moment, I went, if I live this victimized life, this is going to be even more of a jail sentence than I'm already in. And in that moment, I was like, I have to get up off the floor and transform the shit out of the worst experience I will ever experience in my life. And and in that moment, it was like, you know, okay. And, and it was like, I'm going to, I'm going to get up, you know, but it wasn't like, I'm going to get up and I'm going to transform my life. I was like, okay, I'm going to get up and maybe get out of my pajamas today or, yeah. you know, eat a meal. Right. Which probably you know, both of those things probably felt like huge steps right. compared to all, all you could do was just lay on the floor. Right. Yeah. Right. And it was, you know, people are always like, oh, one day at a time, one step at a time. And it's like, this was one breath at a time. Yeah. This was okay, you know, and, and, and eventually, you know, like I sh- shut down my practice. I was like, there's no way I could, I mean, everything shut down, you know, and, and eventually as time went on, as I was in grief counseling, as I was, you know, I'm in a, a spiritual mystery school, which is like, beyond nourishing and soul filling and you know it's like I had these touch points where I was like okay you know I you know as hard as this is I could you know take a couple of steps forward or I could breathe today or what you know and then over time you know I kind of just created my system like okay I'm going to go into his room I'm going to cry I'm going to meditate. I'm going to journal. And I kind of just used his room then as this sanctuary for healing so that I can't, you know, because before I was just like hemorrhaging all over the place that I was like, if I could contain this and be in his room for three hours and do the work that I need to do for myself so that I can maybe take my daughters to school or cook a meal or have some sort of semblance in my life, like these were the steps I had to take. I think any mother who is listening, any parent who's listening, it's very difficult to sit here with a dry eye. Um, And I think it's every parent's absolute worst nightmare, worst nightmare. And the the description um, that you, you know, that you kind of paint is palpable and I imagine if I were in, God forbid, such a situation, I don't think I'd be able to move off the floor either for a really long time. Yeah. Um, I love the way that you talk about what you did in Jack's room, um, because in some of your work, you talk about, you know, like this image of um, of a cave and like the the divine feminine and during certain periods or seasons of life, how important it is um, for us to um, to retreat into that cave once in a while um, so that we can restore ourselves and rest um, and, you know, regenerate. But also, like, even though it's Jack's room was like the this 
kind of like safe haven for you to do this work in. There was also for me this feeling of like expansiveness that came um, with your journaling and your meditating and you're just being in that closed space. So that's an interesting kind of like juxtaposition, like the closed yeah. space that brought you safety and expansiveness. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's one of those things because it's like, I think as humans and certainly as women, we want to avoid that cave. We are conditioned to keep going, to power through, to, you know, sleep when I'm dead or whatever the same baby. Right. And it's like, and what's happening? It's like, it's doing us such a disservice, you know? And look, I've always been good with boundaries. I've always been good with self-care just because I'm, I mean, one, I had to learn it. Right. But like, um, but this was like, there's no way. And I always grew up spiritual. I always had a relationship with like the other side with all things mystical stuff comes to me in dreams. Like my, my mom's side of the family is Ukrainian. And for Ukrainian Christmas, we would go to my great aunt's house. And then after dinner, instead of playing games or cards, we would make a Ouija board. Like out of paper and a marker and a saucer and a candle. And that's what we would do. And it wasn't actually until high school where I was like, wait, there's an actual game that you could buy? Like, I, oh, that was my game. entire, like, middle school, like, existence was right. Or do you use this boy like me? Yeah. 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 Same. Until I had a really bad experience with it in high school. And I was like, done. Oh, shit. Never that could be a whole other episode. Oh, yeah, for sure. But, like. <laughs> But the spiritual piece is, is I wanted to get to that because when I was meditating, when I was journaling, it was also a way that I could connect with Jack. And I knew that part of my healing is going, how can I continue my relationship with Jack, even though he's not physically here? Right. And for people, you know, it's just, you know, to really just break it down into like science, like energy doesn't go away. No, it's either physical or what are, you know, solid, liquid or gas. Right. We're solid and liquid and we're gas, too. But like when you leave your human body, you're you're still energy. Yeah. And so I'm learning how to continue that relationship. 100 percent and um very very different and i know you know this but um you know i lost my mom when i was 20 she was diagnosed with endometrial cancer when i was 17 mm. and um i'll get into this on a, on another episode but um when i lay with my kids at bedtime each night and put them to bed i feel her laying with us and it's um almost physical. I can she's so close. I can almost feel her physically. Yeah. And right, I am now 44, right? That was 24 years ago. I've now been without her more of my life than I was with her. And yeah, that's also a fine. That's so yeah. Totally. I'm 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 inching up on that. Yeah. Yeah. 
So I'm curious to ask, have your ideas on death and your connection with like that relationship that you were just talking about, right? Just like in a different form. It's, It's no longer like in a physical form but it's still a relationship and it's still very strong. It's just yeah. different. Um, has, has your, have your thoughts around death and what happens after death changed since the loss of Jack? Um, I'm going to say no for me because I've, always believed in life after death like I'm a double Scorpio like we are all about death and rebirth like just in general so like even when I was younger whenever somebody died in my family they were showing up in my dreams yeah and you know and I was like oh like you know some were really great like I when my aunt died she was hilarious but I like I was like what are you doing here and then she was like oh shit I'm not supposed to be here I gotta go it was like very soon after she died and so it was always it always brought me peace yeah same and then you know and but what was what's interesting is that jack doesn't come very often to me in dreams and i and i've come to the conclusion and it, it may it probably will shift and change but it's really hard for me when he shows up in the dreams because of that that longing yeah you know and so with him and he does show up in different ways in my dreams that i know it's him but it's not like those like oh i'm gonna hug you and i know you're there kind of dreams that i've had in the past and so for him he just i mean he was a huge personality so he just i just like you were saying about your mom sometimes i just feel him next to me you know, or like I'll feel him like in the car sitting next to me and I'll like literally reach out my hand and be like, I know you're there, Bubby, you know, and like and or I'll smell him or um, so, quick little story. When I was pregnant with him, I would have these whale dreams. I never had whale dreams. I was never connected to a whale ever in my life. But I would have these whale dreams while I was pregnant with him. And then after I had him, they went away. I went about my life. And um, when he was about three, he would get, he would deep dive into specific subjects. Like Elmo was the first one from Sesame Street, you know, and then dinosaurs. And then, um, and then whales. And then when the whales came about, I went, oh, whoa, wait a second. I used to have these dreams when I was pregnant with him. And I was like, oh, that's pretty cool, you know? And then, you know, he went on, you know, it was Minecraft and Legos and, you know, stuff like that. And then after he died, I started to have whale dreams again. Whales show up for me everywhere. Like, I mean, and I'm talking about like, you know, I'm making bacon. I look down and the bacon's like a shape of a whale. Like shit like that. Like (laughs) that it's become this really kind of awesome symbol that anybody who knows me in you know professionally or person obviously personally know that when they see a whale in their life they're like oh there's jack jack's with me yeah. and it's and it's a really great um i don't know it's just really great and a beautiful way to to connect and you know and i think one of the 
things when Jack died, it was a big wake up, you know, because it's like you said, like you, you never expect anything like this to happen. I never, ever expected this to happen in my life. And when it did happen, it was, a, you know, like it was a big wake up of how do I live my life? Am I living it to my, I mean, this is again, a couple of years out of the grief process, but am I living to my fullest, most authentic capacity of why I'm here? And yeah, I was, I always wanted to combine psychology and spirituality from like when I decided to get my undergrad in psych, but I didn't know how to, to combine them until I found hypnotherapy, which is a beautiful combination of it. But since since he died, there's this weird um, fearlessness. I'm like, my worst, my worst fear happened. Absolute worst. That I'm like, all right, fuck it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna move forward and being like, yeah, you want to, like I said earlier, if somebody doesn't believe that they chose their parents and all the things, they're not. I'm not for them, right? And I'm like, I choose to leave lead with a spiritual mission and if you want to heal and you want to turn your wounds into wisdom you come i'm gonna open you with open arms because the whole concept of the work that i do and just as humans it's like we're just clogged with shit with trauma with negative beliefs negative behaviors faulty like like uh programming from families and society and all the things that it's like we want to have a spiritual connection, but we can't get there through all of this. Like it's like a clogged drain through the noise, so much noise because life can be so hard, so hard. And I, I don't know about you, but juggling so much. Um, I'll speak for myself, um, you know, with kids and work and, you know, my son is has autism and trying to work through like all the services he needs and my daughter's on the gymnastics team and, and constant, right? Like schlepping all the kids everywhere all the time. Um, there's a lot of noise. There's a lot to yeah. keep up with. And, you know, I think there's this like meme circling right now on whatever Instagram and and it's like a man's voice going, you know, like, you don't have to, you don't have to like do all the things. Just like stop. You don't have to do everything. And then the woman claps back. Have you seen this one? Uh, she, you're going to have to share. And who is going to do it? <laughs> like, exactly. It, it's, it's me. It's the mom. I have right. to. Right. And like, I laugh a little because it resonates. I also want to say, like, my husband does a shit ton too. But um, so it's mine. And it's also like a lot of stuff does fall on, yeah, on us. You yeah. know, sometimes I'm like, okay, I'm not, I don't know if anybody's Harry Potter fans, but we're a huge Harry Potter house. And I'm like, okay, you know, I'm not Dobby the house elf. Like, you know, I'm like, I'm not here to pick up every. Or do yeah, every yeah. Thing, I tell my kids you know? I'm not your servant, but sometimes I fall into being that, and I have to watch. That's a boundary for myself that I am getting more and more um, watchful of because I, I don't, I don't want to do that to myself. I don't want to model that, especially for my daughter, right? 
And um, and I want them to be capable. They are. They're perfectly capable. But anyway, this is to say it's hard to quiet the noise and really sit with what's under right. the noise in right. order to reach my highest self and expand upon my life in meaningful ways that bring me a sense of calm and joy and meaning. And, you know, this podcast was born out of the desire to do more of that. Um, right. But, and, well, and you can't do all the things that you want to do if you don't go sit in your case. Yeah. And people don't want to do it. They're like, I don't want to go into that dark space and clear out all my shit and like, you know, no way. What's are in there? Well, but here's the <laughs> deal, people. Like the only way through is through. Yeah. You know, and so like getting back to like being like all clogged up, it's like when you start to put yourself first and invest in yourself and go, okay, I need to heal my shit. Yeah. Once you start to clear out all of that crap, then your higher self or the divine or the universe or God or whatever you call it, it's like, they're like, oh, for fuck's sake, I could finally get through to her, <laughs> you know, because yeah. you cleared out all her shit. And then you have this, this, you know, yeah. to receive from the highest parts of you. Yeah. And that's where the creativity comes in. Yeah. You well, know, you it's a lot about in your work, you talk a lot about, um, that it's difficult for, think especially women, and right. Obviously, there's exceptions to the rule on both sides, um, with both men and women. But especially like women, it's hard for them to receive when they are existing in a state of go, go, going, and trying to please. It's much harder to receive. Yeah, I mean, I think even if you're not in the go, 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 I think as women, we're. I mean, look, we are the caregivers of humanity. Like, we're the ones that, like, have the ovaries and, give you know, get pregnant and have babies and all that. Like, it's just part of us. But then we're conditioned through society, experiences, like, what have you, to continue to people please and overgive, right? And we're great at giving. I mean, I mean, really. But we're really... And, you know, again, exceptions to the rule, but it's really hard for us to receive. Yeah. And I think that was one of the byproducts that I had to like, again, going back to the lessons and why, like, why did this happen for me instead of why did this happen to me? When Jack died, the biggest lesson, well, one was I was always pretty good with boundaries, but one was boundaries. I was just like, nope can't deal with anybody. Um, but the second one, which I think was even bigger, was learning how to receive because of the influx of love and support that I got from all over the world. I mean, like I said, like food showing up, you know, flowers, people just helping, just people just showing up and helping and wanting to give. And I had a really hard time receiving all of it uh, and I was just like oh that well that's really I mean again a little farther out you know from being shattered on the floor but I was like wow 
I didn't realize how hard it was for me to receive love. How are you now with receiving love? I'm a lot better at it. It's still, you know, it's still uh, uncomfortable. I'm not going to lie, right? Like even when, I mean, it's just the little things. Like when you're going around like life and somebody's like, oh, I like your skirt. You're like, oh, I, I. I'm like, oh, it, thanks. I got it on sale. Like I'm just. You handle to finish the compliment. Right. Yeah. Right. Again, I'm a bargain hunter. I'm from New York. I worked in the fashion industry before I even went into this field. So I'm like, I don't pay full price for anything. But like all of those little things that we like do or say like in our everyday vernacular is really could be really diminishing if you're not aware of it. Like I had this this experience where I was like leaning over to go get some yogurt at the supermarket. And instead of saying, excuse me, I said, sorry. And I was like, wait a second, what am I being sorry for? Well, I tell this story to a lot of my clients and a lot of my female friends at the Women's March in D.C. I went with my oldest childhood friend who was a sister from another mister and mother. And um, the entire day, right, there were so many people there and obviously lots of women and we it was packed and accidentally people would bump into each other or step literally step on the other person's foot by accident and the entire day it was women apologizing it was I'm sorry oh I'm so sorry I'm so sorry so sorry and I finally I said I looked at my best friend and I was like God especially there like like here we are at the right march constantly apologizing for yeah. even minorly inconveniencing someone. Yep. And I, we are, I think we're really like taught as women to make ourselves as small as possible, right? And yep. God forbid we should accept a compliment. So I think part of the work is also just like, in addition to receiving, like learning how to take up space without apologizing. Right, right. Well, it's interesting. I mean, first of all, what a juxtaposition i mean like you must have heard sorry all over the place like it was like i mean yeah. holy oh my god so but it's interesting because i had this this um conversation with a client of mine and it was about like learning how to take up space not being small all this all this stuff that we're talking about and that's how if you are taking up space and showing up and using your voice and being your authentic self that people are like well look at her she's full of herself yeah right and when we started to kind of dissect that statement we're like fuck yeah we should be full of ourselves like and it's like i am full of myself and how awesome is that and like just even shifting the the energy the vibe of how you say it i love it's that it's like yeah like why can't we be full of ourselves yes yes i love you know, that let's take that back a little bit and, and and not be scared to shine because like we again like we all came in as a, like a specific soul that like shine let your soul shine like clear away all the crap and like let your soul shine through because you're not even like even with identical twins or like you know they're all different 
Yeah. Yeah. You know, so it's just like, let that authenticity, like who you were born to be, let that come through. So beautiful. And your, and your girls, they're identical. They're actually, they're actually not Uh, fraternal, but they look, they look like people throughout their lives have always thought. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Apparently, apparently if you have like a thick line in between the two, like, you know, during the sonograms, it's fraternal. And if it's a really thin line, it's uh, the other one identical. So, so but they could pass as identical. Yeah. Yeah. So that, right, you're probably very attuned knowing the type of person that you are to helping each one of those girls shine as individuals and not yeah. just like project all of those ideas about what twins are. Um, yeah. Right? Yeah. Just, oh, screwed up, by the way. <laughs> well, it's so and funny because when they were little, yeah, and like when they were, lit- I mean, when they were, like now they're 14, they have their own style, like there's no, like you could totally yeah. tell them apart. But when they were little, I mean, even then I wasn't dressing apart. I was like, I'm not, I'm not doing that. But anyway, they would like their preschool teachers, their kindergarten teachers, like they would be like, how, how do I tell them apart? Wild. Yeah. And my answer was get to know them. Yeah. I said, because they are totally different. Yeah. I said, the minute you get to know their personalities, you're going to know the difference. You might be, not be able to tell from behind, but you're going to be able to tell the minute you start talking to them and then they'd be like oh my god they're totally different i'm like that's because they're two different human beings (laughs) yeah right it's like such awkward that's right such like duh advice uh duh and uh aha i always i'm like when you have those aha moments they're also very close to the duh like like, everything i feel like they're two sides of the coin of course of course right yeah um I want to go back for a second in terms of like the the kind of like typical audience that you draw from, like the people who are attracted to you, who want to work with you and the types of clients who you really um, love working with, who you, you know, connect so easily with. Um, you talk a lot about um, working with empaths and um, can you say more about the the like kind of like universal struggles or themes that empaths struggle with and um how like the kinds of things that you work on with them? God, I feel like this is a whole nother show. Um there's so much. Well, first of all, I am an empath and like for those who don't know what an empath is, because I yeah, it's funny. It's a little bit of a buzzword now, um, but an empath is a deep feeler. You're highly sensitive. You are, you know, you feel there are different, I, I, you know, I could go into the whole thing, but like there are different types of empaths also. But um, for the most part, we feel what other people are feeling. There are some empaths that are like medical or physical empaths that are um, like, if you had a stomach ache, I would be feeling the stomach ache. Or if you had a headache, I'd be feeling the headache. And then there are like animal empaths and earth empaths. And, you know, and so, and I'm an emotional feeling empath, which, you know, when you look back on it, you're like, oh, this totally makes sense of why you chose this field, right? 
Um, but it's essentially you're a highly sensitive person. So you're not only feeling what other people feeling and connecting with them on a really deep level, you know, you're sensitive to sound, to smells, to um, uh, touch, like, you know, I don't know, I'm, I always need to be in comfortable clothes, like cannot, I'm like, put me in something. What I'm wearing on, I mean, literally I'm wearing and sweatpants. I just oh, put yeah. better on to look professional when I spoke to you. I know. I mean, while I'm in like exercise clothes, but I'm like, like my my like sports brown, like this has got to come off and like a set, like after this. Pretty much. <laughs> but that I was like, COVID was like a dream. I was like, oh, you know, just yeah. in terms of the comfort. And and we also, because we're so sensitive and because we're picking up on other people's energies and and, you know, vibes and feelings, we also need a lot of alone time in order to recharge our our batteries, quite honestly. Because what happens is, if you're not aware, one, that you're an empath, or you're aware that you're an empath and you don't know kind of how to work with it, a lot of merging happens. And a lot of like, where do I end and you begin happens. And yeah. so there's a strong correlation between empaths and codependency um, and also empaths and addictions because they're trying to numb the, the, the feelings, you know, whether it's through food or through whatever drugs, alcohol, you name it, relationships, yeah. you know. So when and once it's going to get all sciencey and I really kind of love it because it backs it up because and I hate saying woo woo because I think it diminishes being a spiritual person yeah but you know it has become a buzzword you know and so but what it is is like we have everybody has a mirror neuron system that's in their brain that helps you connect um and have empathy with other people and there is tons of research out there that empaths have a hyperactive mirror neuron system and so instead of having like 10 fingers, we have like a thousand fingers, like energetically, like out there. Yeah. And like fun fact, sociopaths have an underactive emotional <laughs> mirror neuron system. Um, yeah. So there, you know, but we are about 20% of the population. And it is such a gift to be an empath because we're we're the healers of the planet we're again we're the caregivers of the planet we're the ones that are connecting and helping and sharing and 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 healing um and it could be a hell of a curse if you if you're if you're not aware of being one or you're just taking on everybody's energy and you're just drained you know and it's it's about learning like okay who are your people who who energetically lifts you up who are your energy vampires or dementors like how what types of relationships what are the best relationships for you which aren't you know and how to really learn how to be your whole self without being like oh okay well you know i mean i'm talking about like when i was in high school i was like oh, well, he's a football player, so I'm going to be a cheerleader. Or, you know, the next one was a deadhead, and then I was a deadhead. I mean, they're all aspects of me now. I know you're still, still a deadhead. Deadhead. Can't wait. Can't wait. Can't wait. Two more weeks. Um, 
But it's like what happens is if you don't, if you're not aware that you're one, you're going to start merging with other people. And then you're like, who am I? Yeah. You know, so boundaries are really important. Yeah. You know, alone time is really important. You know, I call it soul care. It's like, how are you going to, how are you going to go into your cave and tend to yourself? Yeah. So that you, and like, you know, because people pleasing runs rampant with empaths also, but it's just like the thing is, as an empath, we want to please people. We want to give to people. But it's like, how can you give what's best of you instead of what's left of you? Yeah. You know, it's like, I want to help you be a better caregiver by first taking care of yourself so that you could better help other people. You know, it's like, hey, to like, especially the mothers you work with and, you know, could be women too who are just, you know, don't have to be a mother. But I, I see so many moms who are just exhausted and burnt out um, for a whole variety of reasons, you know, some of which are the ones we spoke about earlier, um, you know, just the burden that we bear and um, managing it all. And and for those that are empaths, even more so. So what kind of things do you really hone in on and like really stress with with those women to help them nourish themselves more? Like, what does that mean for them to yeah. do that? Well, I mean, and I was, you know, one of those women. I had three kids under two. You know, my life was fucking nuts. You know, I was, you know, it's like babies hanging off of me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and I remember, you know, early on you know then they once they were able to get out of their crib and like walk to my room it was just like the minute I would hit the floor I was like the short order cook I had like you know they were barking demands at me like you know because they're like little Neanderthals when they're little you know and so you and I just was like I'm like not being a good mom because I'm running on empty and I can't even enjoy being a mom because I'm so exhausted and burnt out and you know and so for me I was like as painful as this is I have to get up before my kids and at least have a cup of coffee so I could like start my day in quiet you know and it was painful but then I was like oh this is what I have to do I need to create some sacred time for myself and fill my own cup up so that I can give in a, in a better, freer, less Please stressed out. Name that cup of coffee before anyone wakes up. And then a couple times a week going for my run before anyone else is up outside if possible. Right. Feel the wind on my face. Smell the air you know, like admire the magnolia trees, thank them. Right. Um, It's all sensory stuff, right? And it's like, and that, and, and here, you know, it's like what they say, like put the oxygen mask on your, you first before your children in the plane. Yeah. That's what we have to do. It's not selfish. Yeah. It's a necessity and even more so for all of us empaths out there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
Okay, I just want to make sure that I have asked you all of the questions that I have been so eagerly awaiting to ask. Okay, in winding down, I thought you were going to be like, okay, we're done. (laughs) Yeah, we've like touched on all the things that I had written down that I wanted to ask you. What's your favorite part or your favorite thing about the work that you do And what do some of your future plans entail in your work? If we can all have a little sneak peek, if you'll let us. Um, I want, I mean, it's such a, it's, I mean, that's kind of a hard question because there are so many aspects of what I do that I love, you know, like one, I love just being with my clients. I love being able to hold space for them in a really sacred way so that they can do some extremely powerful and vulnerable work. And I love being their guide through whatever their experiences are that that need healing. I I, I absolutely love it. It's, I know this is why I'm here as a human is to provide this type of work. Um, and sneak peeks, I'm gonna I'm holding a retreat in September, September 21st to the 24th. And I'm so sad you can't go. I know. Um, I'm smiling and and frowning at the same time because I'm so excited for you and I'm imagining myself there and I'm I happen to be attending another retreat that very same weekend. Um, and in the same corner of the world too, like yes, right yes. by me. Yes. So I'm in Seattle, and the retreat is two hours outside of Seattle. But um, it's journey back to your soul. So there's going to be meditation and yoga and um, and teachings on your soul's journey. And I've got two powerful um, journeys, hypno journeys to take um people on and one is going into the cave and finding out a whole bunch of really cool stuff and um and then the oh, other would one it be is- if there was an actual cave at the place maybe one day you'll do one in a cave somewhere oh my god i would kind of love that <laughs> yeah anyway the- i know but it's it is you know it's and then i have another one where it's um and it's funny because I just reread them yesterday because I channeled all of them. And I was like, where did I put them? And then I was like, oh, right, they're in my journal because I was in a meditation. And then all of a sudden, all this information started to come through. And I was like writing with my eyes closed. And I was like, okay. And I'm like, okay, I think I know what that says. But I was just like, oh, wow, it's pretty good. <laughs> and so I had, so there are two channeled sessions. Um, and then, you know, Leavenworth is like this sweet little like Bavarian village in the mountains of uh, Washington that is now like one of like the top family friendly places to go to um, in the country. But anyway, so I have that going on um, in September. And then um, next next year, I'm going to um, develop a program for a therapist and uh, coaches and healers to teach them how I do hypnotherapy Um, so I could kind of help the healers heal and so that they could 
I am others. And so we could, like, quite honestly, shift the trajectory of our planet. Like, our whole planet needs healing. So I, and I just want to, I will share with the listeners, I have had the privilege of doing um, hypnotherapy session with Nadia recently. Um, I'm an EMDR practitioner and um, I am not trained as a hypnotherapist yet, but I am very, very curious because it was uh, in one session, um, it was just the most, it was such a cool mix of so many of the things that I already use as a therapist that I already believe in as just like a person in the world. Um, And I was able to access all of it so readily. And you just have such a way of guiding, like guiding me through it. Um, I'm very much looking forward to doing another one soon with you. Um, And and if someone does want to work with you, how do they know the difference between, right? Because you still practice as a psychotherapist, but you do all this work also as a spiritual life coach. And so how do people differentiate? Like if they call you up, do they need to know in advance, like which category they would put themselves in? Yeah, I I do that for you. Um, And essentially, I mean, just, yeah. Well, I mean, and I think, you know, as a therapist and a coach, like, you know, people, again, hear these words, but then they're like, what is the difference? You know, I mean, aside from, you know, extensive masters and extensive licensure and all that kind of stuff. But essentially, you know, I always do a consult call with people first. And if I have both hats on at the same time. And so if I see that there is a clinical mental health diagnosis, you go down the therapy track. And if you are, you know, healthy and you have some life stuff that you're going through or just, you know, life stuff, you know, and I think like as like therapy has been kind of a catch all, like there are tons of people who don't have mental health diagnoses that are going to therapy, which is great. However, it's also, I mean, don't get me started on the soapbox of just like, you know, just creating illnesses and people and diagnoses and insurance and all that kind of stuff. But if you don't have a mental health diagnosis, then you're going down the spiritual life coaching track. Yeah. With me. Yeah. You know, and that's pretty, you know, just in general for your listeners, if you, you know, that's the difference. Yeah. Yeah, is there that's a mental so health fault. That's so not. I have, um, I think all therapists can probably relate to the statement that um, so many of us have like a good handful or two of clients who um, who don't really have a clinical diagnosis, right? But who we have to put something down because it's a medicalized system, right? right. You know, like adjustment disorder with anxiety or whatever it is, because maybe they have like a little, you know, little tidbit of anxiety. Um, yep. And a lot of these people will come in saying the same thing, which is like, I don't really have a lot going on or I feel a little like 
self-indulgent coming to therapy because I don't really feel like I'm struggling, but I just like want to explore some stuff, right? Like I don't want to have to diagnose that, but I am very adept at helping people to explore. Um, Yeah. So that for you would be a coaching client versus psychotherapy client. Yeah. That makes sense. Okay. Yeah. And, and at the end of the day, it's just like, whether it's therapy or whether it's coaching is if you're in, if you're, if you're here and you're showing up and you want to like, look at your life and, you know, look at it as a tool of self-growth. Yeah. Yeah. And if people want to work with you, what is your preferred means of them reaching out to you and getting in touch? Should they email you? And Yeah. Yeah. Ha- go to my website, with, which is Nadia Aaron's Coaching. And I'm guessing you're going to have to spell the it. Show notes. The show notes. Yeah. Okay, yep. good. Yep. <laughs> um, and then there is... Um, uh, there's like a link on there where you could just set up a 30 minute call with me yep. and then, and then, and then we're good to go. And there's also a little quiz that's, you know, if you're an empath, you could take a little quiz. And I also have, um, a guided self-hypnosis, um, meditation, which teaches you all about boundaries. And, um, it's a really awesome guided imagery, um, experience. So you can get one of those too. Nadia, you're awesome. Um, I, I, I cannot thank you enough for being here today. And I just want to tell the listeners, you guys, Nadia is one of those people. And we only just met. We've never met in person. We only met virtually like in the past couple months, maybe not even. Yeah, yeah um, like a month and a half, maybe. Like immediately, she's just one of those people that you will feel instantly at ease Um, with and connected to and she's so fun and she clearly knows her stuff but yet like doesn't take herself like overly seriously she's just human and real and beautiful um and this has been such a pleasure thank oh my god this was so fun thank you jenna i love being here if you're interested in learning more about Nadia, you can reach out to her at Nadia. That's N-A-D-I-A at NadiaArensCoaching.com. Again, that will be linked in our show notes. Thanks so much for listening. If you have enjoyed the show and want to learn more, you can follow me at www.sheilluminated.com or email me with comments and show ideas at Jana at sheilluminated.com. If you're interested in working with me as a coaching client, contact me at Jana at JannaFuchsCoaching.com. And if this episode meant something to you, please consider supporting the show by taking less than one minute to rate and review the show. It makes all the difference in the world to help spread the word, and it makes it accessible to wider audiences everywhere. You can also take a screenshot of it and share it with a friend or on your socials. Tag me, Jana Fuchs Coaching. And as always, may you walk through the rest of your day feeling just a bit more brightly illuminated. Until next time.